Hey companions, we're finally here. The end of Act 2 when flames die out. Did you catch the title? The scrying from the last episode? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, you're there. You got it. This act only took 35 main episodes with 6 offshoot episodes. Minus this episode, that's 1 day, 18 hours, 8 minutes, and 13 seconds of audio. You listeners are my heroes for sticking that out with us. Before we get started, I wanted to thank you, the listeners, our companions, for joining us on this journey. It has been amazing to tell the story of Asus, and I cannot wait to continue it. Our characters have traveled from one end of a continent to another, but they didn't even see everything. There's a whole other continent just waiting to be explored, not to mention the Elven and Gnome Islands. But the question is, will they even get to travel there? Find out today on The Four Orbs. Last time on the Four Orbs. When the brick door slides up after inserting the rectangular key, you see a 20-foot-long, 5-foot-wide hallway. So you walk up to the door? No writing or anything, just a plain door, you said. Just a plain door. I'm going to open it. All right. When you open the door, a dark room lies in front of you, and a shield guardian stands on a pedestal facing you. You hear... Intruder alert. And then a loud, thunderous boom as the wind is channeled from him down the hallway, followed by magic missiles. I'm going to cast a cloud of daggers. Take this, you fiend! Okay, I'm going to move out of the hallway past Felomir and then to the right corner. I'm going to do the spike growth around it. I'm going to cast Eldritch Blast on the Shield Guardian. I'm just going to dash. I'm going to dash uh, 80 feet or up to him. He has a shield! I have a shield! Uh, I'm going to use two sorcery points, which triggers wild magic. What spell are you doing? Sacred Flame. Uh, 14, 20. 20, 20 damage. damage. That does it. <clears throat> Give me dexterity saves if you are 20 feet away from it, within 20 feet. 11, 13, 24. Felomir goes unconscious as the shrapnel explodes from the, from the construct and pierces him all through his body. I'm going to run over and cast Spare the Dying. Ah, I hate these guardians! You stupid constructs! I hate this place! It's better now! I will also uh, cast Cure Wounds. I will cast another Cure Wounds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take an E and make some good beers. As you open up this door, you see a large laboratory filled with tools for alchemy. Oh, hello, A. Have you removed the brick barrier, A? The, um, the one blocking the entrance to here? Yes, eh? Yes. Finally, eh? We can get back to the stock rooms and get more supplies to continue our alchemic research we are programmed to do, eh? What are you researching? We recreate reagents to repair constructs after they have been destroyed. So oh. now that we can get in, we've had alerts that there are broken constructs that we need to repair to get activated again, eh? That's not good. Mm -hmm. That's not good at mm -hmm. all. I'll choke up on the Warhammer. 
just kind of look at them. I'm going to look at Felomir. Can and we get by, A? Slice my neck like the Undertaker and mm-hmm. look at him. I'm going to look over at Keth and like just nod my head. I'm going to look at Felomir and just close the door. I'll grin eagerly at Fe- Felomir <laughs> as he looks at me. Go on to the uh, Regent's room. Oh, my God. Thank you, A. So as the, the last one waddles past me, I'm just going to smash it in the back of the head. <laughs> And the scene cuts to black. <laughs> ow, hey, what are you doing, no. hey? Keep hitting it. Yeah. Ow, hey, ow, hey, hey, ow, oh my ow, God. ow. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to oh make it? Who does it have? And we have to do this two more times. <laughs> oh, no, hey, they are enemies, hey. And they start waddling across the room. Are we the good guys? Ow, hey, 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 no, hey, hey. No. And you destroy all three of them, Jeff? That felt good. Could have just closed the doors. <laughs> no, it was difficult but necessary. The room does not light up with torches, but you can see dimly inside due to an iridescent glow coming from the center of the room. I want to climb into one. And when you sit down, a large crystal ball floats out of the bubble and hovers about five feet above it. I want to reach out with my hand and and touch it. <laughs> Doroth, the room goes dim for you. You then hear in your head. <sighs> there you are. No, no. I had I lost you there for a moment. Did you finally find it? You son of a bitch! Did you finally lead me to the arcane well? We actually have no idea where it is. Your friend's a fool for continuing this search. I'm still keeping tabs on them. You thought you lost everything already? No, Dardor. There's so much more for you to lose. Shit! What was that about? No, 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 no. No, this was a bad idea. This is all a bad idea. What just happened? What happened, Doris? I heard Velmir. He's watching us. And he knows the arcane well is here. Uh, I'll reach out with him. You find yourself in a cottage. You turn quickly to the front door to see a dark-haired woman walking in with a baby. The baby is crying and you hear her say, Shh, shh. It'll be okay, Flynn. It'll be okay. Your vision fades back to the room and the chair floats back to its original moving circumference. I'm really silent and confused as, a, as like, my character just like, Who's my mom, man? I want to know. <laughs> I have some theories. I'll uh, touch the orb. Yeah, the crystal ball was already over your lap. In Keth, everything fades to black. You feel a heat around you. A fiery heat. The last time you felt a heat this intense was when you, to memory, fought the fire giant back in Africa. It was awarded the name Keth. Everything you see around you is in flame. It then slowly dies out, and you see a small flame in the distance floating like a candle and then fade away. Well, it's irrelevant. I was just fighting the fire giant like I did when I became the the giant slayer. And then I burned up and saw fire disappear in the distance. It has nothing to do with this. Let's go. That was not suspicious at all. But I agree. Let's move on. The stone slides up and you move on to the next room.
As the stone door slides open, a deep, 20 feet wide, 50 feet long room opens in front of you. On the left and right walls, torches light up, revealing extravagant murals that have been untouched for centuries. Some small stone columns create an aisle down the center of the room. As you walk through the room, you see detail of Heltrone and Hamarin fighting in a burning town, while Exdolu and Adamo fight in a forest. Then the scene changes to Heltrone standing in front of six new guardians. The scene then shifts to nine guardians fighting Vorin, the guardian of evil. And in the back right corner of the room, you see an open hallway. I want to start to walk towards the um, the mural that depicts Vorin. And then I want to stop and turn towards Finch and go, oh, If I may proceed, Mr. High-Ranking Rodanian General. I... I'm just, I'm a Crimson Command member, um, and you don't need my permission. I'm going to stand up straight and salute and then go study the the mural. All right. So, yeah, you go study the mural, and it's just the, basically the the final scene of nine of the ten guardians fighting Vorin, who was the tenth guardian. Hmm. I'll go look at the Heltron and Hamarin one. Okay. So, yeah, you look at the Heltron and Hamarin one. It's uh, like the early on one, basically. And it's just them fighting over a burning town. And you can see Hamarin kind of has some hints in the in the painting that she is undead. What color is her hair? Uh, in this sense, like a grayish. Okay. Okay, so the, the murals are like all down the, the hallway? Yes. So all along like both walls are the, the murals that we're seeing? Yes. And then is there anything on the, the opposite facing wall? They cover the walls of the entire room. It's kind of like wraps so, yeah. around. So this rectangular room, it just kind of starts from the door you entered on and ends on the other side. Okay. So the wall on the other side of the long rectangular room is the final battle of, like, it's foreign. Okay, so it looks like it's telling a story pretty yes. much. So, okay. So I'm basically just standing at the opposite end of the room. Yeah. Okay. And we would obviously assume that these are guardians in the mural. Yes, you can assume that. Especially you, Astra, because Heltron and Hamarin actually look like the Heltron and Hamarin you saw in your vision. What does Vorin look like? Vorin is a very cloaked, like dark cloaked figure. If you remember the paintings in the Temple of Hanet, where that figure was kind of looming in the background. The hmm. darkest night. Uh, uh, hmm. Ha, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the, like the figure that had the skull... Yes. For his head, like that. Yeah, and the bony hands. and. Make a mental note of that. Ryan, Ryan the player. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, we, could we say that Dorth also made that connection? Yeah, I'll let you being, have that. Being studied. Yeah, I'll let you have that. You're the one that studied the paintings in the Temple of Finette and kind of found the, uh, the dark looming creature in all the pictures. And you're the one seeing Vorin's mural for the first time. I'll give that to you. And I uh, also am the one that appreciates art the most. So of course. I would. <laughs> of course. I just want to go, ooh, and point and look back. It's him. Ooh. The, uh, he's the, the darkest night. Do you remember from the. From, from the, the Temple of Finette? Yes, I think it was. Yes, that one. In all the paintings, there was always someone in the background. Yeah. It's him. I'll look at it. I mean, to your recollection off of what you could remember from the Temple of Annette and Dolwood, yeah, it looks like him. Yeah, that, that does look like the figure in all of the paintings at the temple. This is Vorin. I've learned of him. Yes, but what does Vorin have to do with the, the Darkest Night? Well, I obviously, I haven't learned much about that, but, you know. Hanette is the guardian of darkness darkness 
and Vorin is evil. So what what connection would Vorin have with Panette? Well, Darkness isn't necessarily evil, I don't think. I'm not too sure about that, but this whole mural, to me, seems to be some sort of representation of the amalgamation, maybe? I mean, it's all of the other Guardians fighting Vorin, but I, I don't know. I guess at this point I'll be at the end of the hallway, uh, just kind of looking back at them because I have no real interest in art, any care in, in this, uh, in the paintings and what could possibly be going on in them, I guess. Uh, and I'll just look back and say, what does it matter, guys? We're almost there. Kes right. We need to hurry. And I'll uh, proceed over to the, the little offshoot hallway and kind of look down it. Okay. I will follow. As you look down the hallway, it goes down about 20 feet before opening up to a circular room that is 15 feet wide. I'm assuming you're walking down the hallway. If he is, and I am. Real quick, I want to detect magic in this room. In the mural room or? Mm, the mural room. Okay, there is no magic in the mural room. Okay, then I'm going to go down the hallway. As you enter the room, you see on the left and right sides of this circular room, you see two open alcoves with statues in them. On the far wall from the hallway, a copper plaque is bolted to the wall and has an inscription on it. So no other doorways out of this room? Nope. Uh, okay, so th- uh, on the opposite wall from the entrance is a plaque, and on each little alcove is a statue. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go to my left and look at the statue. All right, so you walk to the left. And as you look at the statue, give me a wisdom safe or a wisdom check. It's pretty low, DC. Five. <laughs> Is it that low? Not that low. As you try to use your elven keen senses, you realize you don't have those elven keen senses anymore. Oh, yeah. Nope. And uh, you're having a hard time depicting the like the shapes and shadows of the statue in this light. I'll walk into the room. <laughs> yeah, I'll follow. I'll right. just, like, kind of scratch my head. My, I'll stroke my horns. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted to walk right up to the plaque. All right. So Doroth walks up to the plaque as the rest of you kind of filter into the room. So he's going to do that first. As you look at the plaque, Doroth, you want to read it? Yes. You're going to read it out loud? Uh, no. So you read, the, for the spell to be undone, you must act as one. Each statue to the side, life's balance you must provide. For two guardians together... Bring balance forever. Ah, uh, another puzzle. What? What is it? I'll walk up. I, I will say that out loud. All right. Oh, what does this mean? That's what I said. I am so tired of riddles. <laughs> at least this one rhymes. And at least there's no more of those guardians in here. The shield guardians. Constructs. Ugh. Well, who would dare challenge us? We slaughtered their <laughs> whole race. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to right. at this. I'm going to start glancing at the statues, uh, kind of side to side. All right. So, like, you just glance from the center of the room. Yeah, I assume that's kind of where I'm at. And as he's saying, like constructs, and we don't got to worry about that, then I'm going to start kind of shifty eyeing them. You glance left and right, and you look right first, and you don't see anything. You look left, and you go back right, and then you double take to the left, and it's not an exact copy, but the woman in your scrying vision is very similar to the woman statue on the left. I will approach. All right. As you approach, it begins to slightly move. It has a stoic face when you approach, but becomes a smile. And then it kind of head tilts and looks at you. And then it reaches out a hand as to accept a gift. And the other as to shake your hand. Is this, uh, is this the one that I'm standing in front of? Uh, yes. Okay. And it's like the statue is moving. Yeah, the statue up. just kind of 
came to life as he, and then it just kind of goes back to like a standing motion. Like it kind of just goes still after it does all that motion. I want to kind of start to um, reach my hand out to the hand for shaking. Okay. But I'm not going to touch it because I will <laughs> Okay. So yeah, your hands are just kind of hovering like an inch apart. I'm just like, well, because I don't have anything to put in the gift hand and I, I don't want to, I don't want to start something just yet. Don't be a hover hand, Matt. <laughs> Fine, you know what? I'm just going to kind of look over and make eye contact with Felomir and put my hand down on the hand. Okay, you put your hand on the hand and nothing happens. <sighs> <laughs> Take my hand off and look at him and be like, did the statue move when you came over here? Not at all. Only when you did. I'm going to see what they're doing and approach the other statue. Okay. Yeah, Astra, as you approach the statue on the right, uh, it is a man, and it looks like a man from your vision, and it's Heltrone. And he does not move whenever you approach. I'm going to look back and see if the other one, does that look like Hamarin? It does. Hmm. Well, these seem to be statues of Heltron and Hamarin. Um, upon hearing that, I'm going to look back up at the statue and sort of kind of put together yeah. what they are when she said that. Uh, you're right. I think this one here is Hamarin and that one Heltron, yes. I'm going to go read the plaque. All right, so you go and read the plaque. Again, it says, For the spell to be undone, you must act as one. Each statue to the side, life's balance you must provide. For two guardians together, bring balance forever. It's a puzzle. And I'll look at her. Can I walk to the other side? As long as I'm not stepping on anyone's turn. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, you walk you, as you leave that statue, it goes back to its normal position and stoic face, and you approach Heltrone. And it does the same thing. Its stoic face becomes a smile, and it tilts its head to the side, and it opens up its arms for one for a shake and one for a gift. And I've, I've heard everyone read this thing aloud now, the yeah. plaque. Well, they seem to be responding to only you, Finch. It appears so. I'm going to unsheath the sword and okay. shield. Okay. Just kind of look at everyone. <laughs> All right, so you unsheath the sword and hold the shield, and I, nothing happens. I'm like, I think this is what they want. I'm going to look at Finch. Well... In my vision, Hamarin's told Heltrone that her shield would guide her back to him. So maybe, maybe we give Heltrone the shield. Wait, you said Hamarin said the shield would guide her back to Heltrone? So I'm gonna, I feel like that means I would give the shield to Hamarin. Well, there's a 50 50 chance. The numbers don't lie. I'm gonna go. The numbers never lie. <laughs> I'm going to go offer the shield to Hamarin okay. and uh, shake the hand. So you walk over and put the shield like in her hand and then put your your hand in the other hand, and she does not do anything. Huh. Take my hand off. All right. You take your hand off. Nothing happens. Uh, Finch, if I may, let me try something. Sure. Uh, uh, let me see the, the, the sword and the shield, please. I'll hand them both. All right. So you hand them to Felomir. Now, and the statue goes back to its stoic standing position with not without having its hands open. Now this is the statue of Hamarin. Hamarin that I'm standing in front of? Yes. Okay. Now reapproach the statue of Heltron, please. I will approach Heltron. Alright, you approach Heltron, and it opens up its arms, and so basically anytime Finch you walk away from a statue it goes back to its normal position, and then whenever you walk close to it and stand right in front of it, it moves its hands out and tilts its head, smiles. Gotcha. And then I'm going to walk over to the statue of Heltron, and while doing so, all right, Finch, now move out of the way, please. I'll step to the side. As he steps to the side, it goes back to his normal position. Okay. Well, it seems that these statues are more reactive to Finch than the sword and shield. Hmm. 
What is the act as one part? It's right at the beginning. For the spell to be undone, you must act as one. Maybe, I mean, Doroth or Keth, y'all haven't tried approaching. Maybe, maybe there's, that's the part of this riddle is you have to give them both something at the same time. Yes, I would think. Me? Well, we walked over to this statue and I'll point at the, whichever one we walked up to. You haven't walked up to a statue yet? Oh, I thought we walked up to one. Y'all went straight to the plaque. You have oh, I thought the plaque was on the statue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the plaque okay. is in the center of the room, and then the statue's on each side. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um. All right. Well, I'll go up to this one, and I'll walk up to the one that everyone is not near. Okay. So we'll say that's Hamarin, and everybody else is at Hiltron. Uh, Kath, as you stand in front of Hamarin, it moves. <gasps> it, it's moving. <laughs> it's what? <laughs> it tilts its head and smiles at you, and opens up its hands for a gift. Huh. And then I'll walk uh, I'll walk on the opposite side and say, all right, uh, Finch, move. I'll step to the side again. All right, so everybody steps to the side out of Hultron's way. <laughs> he then closes up. Kath, you stand in front of him, and he comes to life. All right, Dorothy, now you try. Well, I really, we, okay. And I'll walk over to uh, the Heltron one. Okay, so you cast there right now. Um, so he steps out of the way, and then as you stand in front of Heltron, it closes up. <sighs> The rudeness. I'll try this one, and I'll go over to the Hamarin one. Okay, so you go over to the Hamarin one. You're the only one over there, and it just remains closed up. Doesn't move. Doesn't activate. Well, it seems the keys are Keth and Finch. Hmm. Uncultured swine, but it's fine. It's whatever. I'll cross my arms. And Wait, are again. you calling me a swine? Do you even know what a swine is? It's like a, a pig, right? Yes. The yeah. S- the smartest of the farm animals. It's a compliment. <laughs> the uncultured part, however, that is an insult. Mm, what need do you have with culture? I have plenty of culture. Trust me, Kev. nothing about me. Kev. Grumble and turn away. Kev, trust me. I only speak well of you. What did the plaque say one more time? The plaque says, for the spell to be undone, you must act as one. Each statue to the side, life's balance you must provide. For two guardians together, bring balance forever. I'm going to start walking over to the Hamarin statue and ask Keth, would you mind staying here at the Helltrain statue? Yeah. And uh, someone stay here with him with the sword and someone come with me with the shield. Okay, so you're taking the shield to Hamarin and the sword to Helltrain? That's what I'm suggesting, yeah. Okay, so uh, whenever you stand in front with the two of you stand in front of the statues, both holding an item, they put out their hands for your gift and to shake your hand. I'll just kind of look back at uh, Finch and wait for him. So we're both holding the items. Yeah. Standing in front of it. So yeah, I, I think I had them, and I'll, I'll just give each of them sure. the respective ones. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'll kind of look at him and give him a nod and just kind of raise my hands and slowly start to lower him down in unison with him. Yep. Okay. So you lower him down in unison, and nothing, they don't move. The statue doesn't move. Hmm. Well, Finch, you. I think you already tried to give the shield to Hamarin. Maybe that's not the right item. Perhaps. Maybe you have to give it to Heltron because... Think about the uh, elements they protect. Yeah, I was going to ask. Um, so Heltron is the guardian of life. Mm. He then, guards life. And then, <laughs> he guards And then Marin is the guardian of death. Death, and death. I'll walk over and switch with Keth. So you switch items and... Then I'll walk back, try again. All right. So uh, as you hold out the item to the statues... They start to reach for the item with their right hand. I'll uh, look back at Finch and kind of shrug my shoulders up like, yeah, 
And I'll shrug my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> hand hand it off, and it's it like kind of slightly closes its hand around the items, but then it's still got the open hand. Shake their hand. Yeah, I'll try and shake it. All right. So as you put your hand in the shake, like the hand to shake it, it closes around your hand, and it closes around the item, and then you hear a hum, and then you hear a rumble. You then feel the room begin to rotate, and when you look back at the open hallway, the room is rotating upwards like a corkscrew, and a wall blocks the entrance as it's moving upwards. You are trapped in this room as it moves up like a spinning elevator. It rotates clockwise, but not aggressively. And then where the hallway was, you see another hallway appear. And when it opens up to this, a frigid cold, like being outside, hits you again for the first time in days since you have been in this academy. The hallway in front of you is 15 feet long and has a sharp turn to the left. Snow slants down the hallway from deeper in. Ah, really? And I'm going to adjust the the collar on my jacket. The grips have not loosened around our hands. Oh, yeah, and then the hands release. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck! <laughs> and then the stone releases your hands and keeps the sword and shield. Um, okay. I guess, seeing that, I'm going to approach the the newly revealed hallway. Alright. So as you walk down the hallway, you take a look to the left. You see an open room. A very large room. And it appears to be some sort of cave built into the side of the mountain. I'm going to poke my head in into the open room. Okay, so you're going to walk into the open room? I'm going to poke my head in. So you're going to get to the edge of the hallway and poke your head in? Yes. All right. <laughs> I'll have to leave that pause in. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Dave. <laughs> Velmer could be around any of these corners. I need to know. So on further inspection of this room, it seems there was an explosion of some sort that busted open the side of this mountain. Most of the room is of the same stone that covered the walls, floors, and ceilings of the academy. The room is 50 feet wide and 100 feet deep into the side of this mountain. The ceiling is 50 feet up as well. On the far wall, about 10 feet from the wall, you see some sort of glass fixture with a whirling dark and light energy inside. The back wall is covered in stone carvings all the way up the wall. The carvings are scenes depicting the different schools of magic in a rising sun-style structure with nine different rays widening the further it gets from the center point. I'm going to dart my eyes left and right in the room. Okay, I don't think he's here. Clarification. All right. The So we went up the corkscrew elevator, and it, it just opened up into, like, one pathway. Like, there's only one way for us to go at this point, right? Yes. All right. And based on what you described can we like does it look like this used to be an interior room and something happened here and it kind of blew the wall out yes okay and if you think back to three dwarves down there was an explosion in the city of Saravel shine listen to that one (laughs) that's a good one I've actually listened to it twice but I don't remember how the explosion well yeah I listened to it a long time ago but not recently Shouts out to them, though. I'm sure it was a great episode. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever was in that one. I'm sure it was great. What what do you think happened here? I I don't know. Clearly some sort of explosion. And I'm going to walk into the room at this point. And you said there was a... a, The glass, whatever. There's some sort of glass statue fixture at the end of the... At the other side of the hall of the room. Okay, that's going to immediately catch my eye, and I'm going to walk up to it. Okay, so Felomir starts to walk deeper into the room. I will finally enter the room. I'll start to enter, but I want Astra to say, oh, I guess we're just going on. We're not going to celebrate that we actually solved a riddle. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying that out loud? Yeah. There is no time, idiot! 
Okay, but it was kind of interesting how it only responded to Finch. There and... is no time! Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> it's clearly because we're descendants of the Guardians. We already solved that puzzle. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, whatever. Let's keep going, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to say Philomir doesn't pay attention to any of this. He's sort of captivated sure. by this object in the room. I tried, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so is everybody walking across the room or is people uh, lingering back? As or? I walk in, I think I'm going to be a little more taken aback by the open wall into Mithron. And so I'm going to kind of... Walk to the edge? I'm going to kind of walk to the edge and maybe even just try and do some sort of... Just looking around, see if I can get any clue of to what happened, why there's a huge hole in this mountain. Okay. I'm going to stand more in the middle of the room and watch Felomir from a distance. Okay. Kath and Astra. I'll just look at like paintings on the wall or whatever. What? Something about oh, the sun? Yeah, yes. Yeah. There's carvings on the back wall behind the glass fixture. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll approach that. Okay. So you're going to walk with Felomir then. So Kath. And I'll walk with Astra. All right. So Finch, you'll, you're the closest to your destination. So as you get to the edge where you're on the side of this mountain, while Felomir's close to you because he has the key of Kilnar, you kind of see that a hundred feet around you is the side of this mountain. Uh, you're very, you're very high up. You're very, very high up because whenever you entered the academy, you were went up the side of the city because the city was built into the side of a mountain, and then you went up even more with this corkscrew elevator type thing. So, and then the further he gets, the more vision you're losing. I'll just yeah, as he starts to. As I start to lose vision, I'll start to kind of lose interest. And and as far as, like, what may have caused the explosion, give me a survival ch- or an investigation check. Eight. You're not sure. You can't make sense of it at all. Cool. There's, like, no clue for you whatsoever. Well, then I'll uh, file in. All right. So you start to walk towards where Felomir, Keth, and Astra are going. Doris stops in the center of the room. So by the time Felomir, Keth, and Astra get to the glass fixture, we'll say you're next to Dorth. So Felomir, Keth, and Astra. As you walk across the room and get closer to this glass fixture, you see it's a curved glass cone with a large floating glass ball at its peak. I think of this like one of the pawn token pieces in the board game, sorry. And then dripping from the floating ball is that black ichor. The, the black ichor from the Temple of Annette in Duelwood. It is pouring from the ball down the curved cone and pulling at the bottom. Light shines through the glass underneath, piercing through the black ichor, and in that floating ball is the whirling of light and dark energy. What is it? I, I'm not sure. Is it the well? I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. Doesn't look like a well. I mean, it, clearly there's some of the black ichor in here from the Temple of Annette. Really? And I'll get closer. All right. Uh, Doroth starts to leave you, Finch. I'm just going to stick with Doroth, I think, for a second. Um, And then, Astra, you're taking a look at the carvings, and you're not as, like, experienced in, like, knowing the arcane spell schools like Felomir and kind of like Doroth, but you recognize that these are just basically representations of the schools of magic coming from this center point, so the arcane spectrum. Interesting choice of words, Dave. Hmm. (laughs) Very. Well, this... These carvings seem to, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Doroth and Felomir, but they seem to represent the spectrum of arcane magic on all the different schools. And I'll look up and notice that for the first time. <gasps> yeah, yes! Yes, this is it! This, this has to be it! This has to be the arcane well! 
There's no other doors, right? There's no other doors. I mean, there's a huge door <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> but you know. Okay, so it's an orb at the top. It's dripping the ichor, and the ichor is pulling at the bottom. Of this, like, spire, like this curved cone. Okay, so I'm going to kind of, like, hunker down on, on all fours, I guess, and, like, get close to it and kind of, like, really look at it and inspect it. Does it appear to be uh, growing at all, or is it staying at the same staying level? Staying at constant like, level. Okay. And the orb at the top, you said is dripping ichor? Yes. And that's like, what's pulling at the bottom that he's inspecting. And it's just like a continuous sort of drip of it? Yeah. Okay. It's all contained inside of glass, right? There's nothing dripping on the outside. No, the, the ichor's on the outside of the glass. Okay, and the inside oh. is the energy stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Does this look like an orb? No, it's much larger. It's, it more resembles the crystal ball that you are scrying in. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yes, we were supposed to find the arcane well. What are we supposed to do with it? Well, we were thinking it might be a portal to another realm that could take us to an orb. This is no portal. This is a fountain of, of black shit. Well, the basin of Icar we had found in the past wasn't just a regular basin of Icar. Yeah, I mean, this orb looks like it fosters some kind of energy within. A power within, one might say. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Over the dark party. <laughs> yeah, all right, we're going we to be, we're going to start like just like a movie. We have to figure out how to get yeah. the name of the arc into an episode yeah, but when, before but it's when over. the flames die out, though. It's like <laughs> we're in between a frog and a hard place. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, good good thing we got through the big trouble and big good little Gamora. <laughs> Shit. Well, yin in doubt, just um, <laughs> touch it. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to say that Felomir is very, like, still captivated with this. Sure. Fountain. He picks up, like, bits and pieces of what everyone's saying, but not, like, whole phrases or ideas or anything. But um, I'm going to take a look around the room and notice the big hole in the wall. Okay. Does it look like... So, like, you're walking over there? Well... If need be, but I'm I'm mainly looking to see if the if I can determine if the explosion came from inside the room or outside. You'll like, probably need to walk over there for that. Okay, then I'll do that. What y'all see happening is Felomir kind of like is entranced by what's going on, and then he starts to walk away. Thankfully, the key of Kilnar has a hundred foot range, so y'all could technically stay here while he does that. So it's gonna take him a minute to get over there. Is there anything that would be happening while he's walking away? I'll just inspect the fountain with Keth. Okay. I mean, what about it? Like, what do you want to do? Just kind of see if I can really tell, like, if it is the well, how how it would work. Kind of look at the orb. I want to pull out my rapier and touch it. Okay. So, or, like, what are you touching? Like, touch my rapier to the triangular part that okay. is Okay, so the cone? Down. Yeah. All right, so you touch your touch the cone with your rapier, and nothing happens. Very careful. I'm just trying to see. Your The tip of your rapier does kind of, like make the ichor kind of trail to the side a little bit, like you are blocking it. Does it stay on the, the tip, though? Like, could I pull it away and have yeah, some? Yeah, when you pull it away, there's some residue on the tip. Okay, I want to just, like, touch it with my fingers. Sure, gross. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, it feels like water, basically, just like it did, like, in the temple. I won't smell it. <laughs> uh, you put it up to your nose, and it doesn't really have any kind of scent to it. it smells like ichor. Hmm. Hey, maybe we we drink it. Like last time, maybe we'll see something. Now maybe we rub it around in our eyes like last time, too. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to really take any huge chances, but it's worth a try. It didn't seem to react to your rapier. I'm going to lick it. 
lick, lick the tip of your rapier? Or the... With my fingers. Okay. So you're going to dip it in the... It already has the... Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to make sure. All right. Little details. Oh, oh, that matters now, does it? Okay. <laughs> so you lick the tips of your fingers and uh, yeah, it just tastes like water, really. I taste nothing and I'll flick it off. That right. was a thought. And as I'm walking by Keth, because I'm walking away, I'm just going to rub my hand on <laughs> draw my hand off on his clothes. Um, so we'll, I mean, does anyone else have anything else before I cut to Velomir? I was going to just, as he starts to walk past me, I'm going to kind of hitch on to him. And uh, okay. as we start to walk that way, I'm going to mention, uh, be careful. Uh, we're very high up and it is a sheer drop. Of course. Okay. So the two of you are walking over to the cliff or are you, go, you going with him? Yeah. I, okay. I, I'm still curious about it. So okay. if he's going to go look at it with the light, then I'm going to go back. Anything else the three of you are doing before I cut to them? Uh, one more time, just for my own clarification, the orb is on top of the little fountain thing, yeah, and the ichor is underneath the glass of the fountain, not in the fountain. No. So the glass ball okay, that's floating above the cone, if it's at, the, at its peak, it's floating like a couple inches mm-hmm. off, has ichor pouring from it. Right. And it goes down the cone on the outside of the cone, and then like there's a lip on the cone at the base, I guess we'll say, and it's just kind of pulling in that lip. Okay, so, so is there like a gap within the, the glass vial where it's kind of dripping into this lip? It's not going into the glass at all. Oh, okay, yeah, so it is underneath. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, okay, so there's the orb, the cone, and the comb sort of like goes out to kind of pull the ichor at the the bottom of it. Yeah, it's like making a ball at the bo- at the base of the glass. Okay, so like one of those little coin things that you drop the coin in and it spins around, it's kind of like that upside down? Yes. With an orb on top of it? Yes. Okay. But it's not an orb, just for the well, record. Yeah. A spherical object. A glass ball. Because if we use the word orb, people might think it's an actual one of the four orbs. This is not one of the four orbs. It's much bigger than that. Okay. Big old ball. It's a big old glass ball. Okay, cut to Felomir already. All right, so we're cutting to Felomir. Felomir and Finch, you get to the edge of the mountain, or of the cave, and give me an investigation check, Felomir, I guess. And this time we'll give you advantage on it, since Finch is helping you. 21. All right. So as you're investigating the room, you're thinking about it and you realize there's no like stone debris inwards. It appears that it was pushed out. So it appears the explosion happened from inside the room and like destroyed the side of the mountain exploding outwards. Okay. Um, I'll look over at Finch and say, well, it seems this explosion originated from inside of this room. I mean, there's no debris on the ground. It doesn't look like anything busted in. So something must have you know, went out. Could it just be unexperienced mages, perhaps? Or what kind of room was this? I'm I'm sure it's possible for mages to do this, but I don't know why they would do it to their own school. I wouldn't think it would be purposeful. I don't know. It appears to be that this this is the arcane well. I'm going to look back up at the mural, look at the... Like at the stone carvings? Yeah, just glance at it. You know, that all the schools of magic would make me think that an arcane well... And then I'm going to just kind of slowly walk back up towards the the cone. Okay. So the two of you are approaching the cone again? Sure. So while they're walking 100 feet, we'll call back to you three. Anything going on? I'm just staring at this, trying to figure out what we could do to activate it, I guess. I want to walk up to Astra. Hey, what's, what's going on, Doris? Tell me the truth. About what? About that. And I'm going to point towards her shoulders because I don't know where he is. About Oystrich? Yes, of course. What do you mean? What is he for real? He's a mouse. Show him to me. Take him off my shoulder and put him in my hand. 
and hold him hold down for Doris to see. <laughs> I'm going to use speak with small beasts. Okay. And I'm going to talk to Oystrich. All right. Go on then. What are you really? I'm just a mouse. You are not just a mouse. Well, I mean, the sorceress did things to me, but I don't know what. Tell me more about this sorceress. And y'all see Oystrich just kind of dancing in Astra's hand as Dorothy is looking at her, looking at the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing? He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Just Millie> walking. <laughs> I don't really have any specifics. I was in a in a in a cloaked cage. Like she, every time she wasn't doing anything with me, she just covered me up with a tablecloth, basically. Okay, I'm just gonna be straight up with you. If you promise to be straight up with me. Why do you hate me so much? Because I think you have something to do with all of this. Ever since you've come into my life, things have been falling apart, and I don't like it. I'm not the only one that came into your life. Why am I the variable? You're the common denominator. I know math. But there's four other common denominators. I know math, too. <laughs> Why do you know math? That's I have, the issue. I have four toes. I mean, assuming I'm just watching Doris make a lot of gestures and it seems to be getting heated. <laughs> oh yeah. Um Dorothy, what are you what are you talking about? You and this mouse something. I don't know. Something what? They have something to do with this. They have something to do with this and to do with and that what? and I'm gonna poke point towards the well. And Velmir and something and I just can't put it together. And Felomir and Finch, you walk up at the end of that rant. You heard it because he's yelling, but you walk up at that point. Dorothy, we all have something to do with this. Is everything all right? Sounds like he's accusing Astra of being a traitor. I said none of those things. Look, all I'm saying is something bigger is going on here, and it has something to do with that rat. Well, that may be true, but I don't think it's Oystrich's fault, is it? Well, I think he knows something and he's not telling us. And I'll dart my eyes towards Astra. Kind of like how you knew something and you weren't telling us. It's different! <laughs> I don't know what else you want me to say, Dorothy. I I mean, obviously you can talk to Oystrich better than I can. Oh, you sound jealous! I mean, yeah, it would be nice to communicate with him. But, I mean, if you're the one that is seeking this information from him, I mean, and if he doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. That's where I'm hung up here. He's a mouse. What do you expect him to know what's going on? He's not just a mouse. We all know that. Look, there is no point in this bickering right now. We have more important things to do. This is the arcane well, I believe. We're here. Now what? We need to figure out how to restore it. I'm going to walk over to it. Okay. I'm going to put my hand up to the orb. All right, to the glass sphere? To the glass sphere. That okay. is totally not an orb. And I'm going to touch it. The four of you see Felomir touch the glass ball and disappear. The ball drops onto the top of the cone and sits still. The key of Kilnar drops to the floor and clinks as if Felomir just disappeared. The ichor stops pouring. The whirling energy within the glass sphere dies out, just goes clear. Felomir! And I'll run and like grab the, the sphere and like try to lift it up. All right, you lift it up and it's just a glass sphere. I'll just shake it. Felomir! I'm gonna run and pick up the key. All right, yeah, you pick up the key of Kilinar. We're still getting light and everything. Mm -hmm. uh. I want to run to the open hallway and, like, like both the the open hallway and the turn that leads to the, the room we left. Okay. And just, like, search it, look around. You run 100 feet away. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just looking around. What are you looking for? Velmir. Like, I'm, I'm thinking he like he's going to show up at some point. You don't see anything. I'll run back. 
the right. the, the hundred feet. The <laughs> so you run. Feet. So you run back the hundred feet. Uh, I want to look in the uh, the cone. The, the cone. Yeah. yeah. So the black ichor just kind of like stops pouring and then pulls at the bottom and then it's just sitting there completely still. And you look in the glass cone. You don't see anything. You just see the other side like a prism. Is there like an opening at the top of the uh, of nope. the cone? It's okay. just got like a little small curve so that the glass sphere could sit on it. Gotcha. I'm just gonna stare at that and then I'm gonna cast mending. <laughs> so no one has said cast, anything yet. Cast mending on what? <laughs> the the orb and this the sphere and the face. <laughs> Try to restore it to what it was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, no, nothing happened. <laughs> Isn't that like specifically not what I, mending does? Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, and you said when I touched it, it was floating above the cone. Yeah, and then it dropped into the into like the little divot mm-hmm. holder. Okay. And Keth has screamed Felomir a bunch. Oh, okay, that happened. All right. Where did it go? What what I, happened? I don't know. I'm not sure what to do. I have no idea. Maybe maybe I could locate him. I've located him before. Try it. Uh, it's gonna take a lot of concentration i don't know how long it might take but i'm gonna collapse I, last time i had avidlar's help i don't know if i can do it by myself but maybe oysterich could help and he told maybe, you maybe i need your help doroth i'm collapsed on the ground <laughs> i'll like uh i'll pick him up from like the the scruff of his back shirt or coat <laughs> and like set him beside aster you're gonna help her <sighs> whatever dude give me a second before we do anything I'm just going to sit down on the floor next to him and kind of just think of what I need to do. Try to remember um, how I cast the spell with Abadlar last time. All right. So, uh, yeah, give me an arcana check. You're just trying to locate him. 17. So the two of you are, like, sitting in front of each other? Is that what I'm hearing? Sure. Yeah, we could say I've caught my breath. And y'all are, like, <laughs> looking at each other in the cakes. eye. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Astra's holding Oystrich in her hands in front of you. Sure. She starts to try and use this scrying ability, this divination ability that's kind of innate inside of her and nothing seems to happen, Astra. You strain for a while and you just can't seem to make anything happen. You think Ovid Lar was doing something on his end too, maybe casting scrying, for example, and you were just enhancing the power of what his spell was doing. Gotcha. Did it work? I don't I don't think so. I guess Ovid Lar was helping me. I don't. Do you know any scrying or divination spells? Well, there is one thing I could do. Well, what is it? it it's, it's what I've been doing. Uh, what do you mean? When I, you know, when I communicate with Velmir, I could, I could do the same thing. To do it? If I have the permission of the High Council of Rodana. Well, yeah, if you're trying to find Felomir. I'm trying to make a joke. This is not the time for jokes. Be, be there no room Whatever for permission you wish is granted. Please, please contact Felomir. Normies. I, I will sit down cross-legged. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Oh, you don't need your rat? Uh, do you need my help? I don't know. Okay, well, I'm I'll... just going to send a message. I can't locate. Okay, well, I guess we can try to send a message and locate at the same time. See if anything breaks through. I'll bow my head with Oysterich in my hand and kind of offer him out for Dorth to touch. Absolutely not. But <laughs> all right. So uh, what? what's the percentage chance you got to do? Oh, what was it? Uh, 
If I'm on a different plane, there's a 5% chance of failure, I want to say. That's if you're on a different plane. Yeah, if I'm on the same plane, there's not a... Uh... And the only reason you would be asking, Dave, <laughs> is because he's on another... <laughs> Fuck! No shit, I'm on another plane. Okay, just just put away your pride and just touch Oysterich. It might help. Um, put my hand on the rat. <laughs> uh, if you put your hand on Oysterich and Astra, you use a sorcery point, it's a 100% chance. Yo. All right, I'll do it. All right, we got to do wild magic then. Uh-huh. <laughs> 14. You cast confusion no. centered on yourself. Fuck. No. And I'm assuming all of y'all are crowded around each no, other. No, no. <laughs> Probably. This spell assaults and twists creatures' minds, spawning dilutions and provoking uncontrolled action. That's not a good thing to happen you right run now. Run right off the cliff. Each creature in a 10-foot radius sphere centered on a point you choose within range must succeed on a wisdom saving throw when you cast this spell Can or be I affected by it. Can I use Tides of Chaos to cancel wild magic? Well, <laughs> didn't you just say it's a spot she gets to choose? But she just it's choose. centered on herself. Yeah, uh-huh. but it says in the... yeah. An affected target can't take reactions and must roll... Must roll a d10 at the start of each of its turns to determine its behavior for that turn. But technically, this is a concentration spell. So we'll do one wave of confusion, and then you can technically just not focus and continue doing confusion. So you're not getting confused, just the four, the three of them are. So Keth, Doroth, and Finch, give me a wisdom save. Now, I also have twice, twice save against magic. You do? So I'm also going to use that. Nine. I also have a, a lucky dice. It's my last one. Okay, 19. So, Keth and Finch, you're both confused. So give me a, D1, a D10 roll. Four. Two. You both, the creature doesn't move or take any actions this turn. So you two just sit there oh. drooling, out, drooling the out the side <laughs> of your mouth as uh, Astra and Doroth are focused on this sending thing that Doroth is doing. Trying to do. Trying to do. What do you want to say to Felomir? Dear Felomir, it's been all of five minutes since you've gone. We've missed you so. No word, no right back, nothing. Just knowing that you're okay would immensely fill our hearts. Please write back soon. Your friend, Doroth. Thelomir, you're in a 30-foot cubic room made of stone. It's wet. It's mildewy. It's dark in the shadows. In the center of the room is a magical spectrum of light coming from what looks to be a well. Okay, and it's in a completely enclosed room? Completely enclosed cubic room Mm -hmm. of stone. No doorways, no nothing. Uh, And I can see in here? Yes. I noticed that the, my the light from the well is what's giving you light. And it's not dark. It's like all different colors. I noticed that the key's gone too, right? Sure. I'm, I'm here somewhere. I, I think I found the well. I don't know how to get out though. This kind of spell ends and you heard what Bellamere said, Doroth. You look at Kath, you look at Finch, you look at Astra. They all, you know, get back to a coherent state where they're not either drooling out the side of their mouths <laughs> or concentrating on uh, their divination powers. And you feel a light wave of energy. God damn it! 
it! And wind push against your backs from the cave entrance. You feel your hair kick up from the wind. You turn around to see three figures standing 80 feet away at the cave entrance. Behind these three figures, a portal sits idly for a moment and then implodes to nothing. On the left side, you see a tiefling wielding a long sword with some sort of viscous dripping from it. He holds a small wooden chest under his left arm. To the right, you see a mind flayer, a healthy one, unlike Andodel from the Herodarium mine, holding a staff in a small chest. And in the center, you see that cloaked, masked tiefling, the one that has filled your lives with fear for a half year. Velmir steps forward towards you, holding a staff in one hand and a long sword in the other. He turns back to the other two and says, You know what to do. He then turns back to the four of you and says, And I no longer need any of you. Give me initiatives. God damn it. Thelemir. It feels different in here. It feels powerful. It feels magical. In this room, it does not cost life force to cast a spell. A multicolored light emits from the center of the room from a small circular stone well. As you question your surroundings, you look around the room, and then you hear something. You hear an aggressive growl rumble from one of the corners of the room. You see a beast creep into vision from the shadows, a deformed creature whose dark, shadowy skin is peeling off of it. It growls fiercely and lunges at you. Give me initiative. tired. Uh, I have been editing this episode for quite some time. As you can tell, it is a long episode and I'm sorry that it is as long as it is. I usually don't like to have episodes that are this long, but it just didn't make sense to split this into two separate things and put a week in between it. So I went ahead and gave you the full length, the, the full two hours. And if you need to stop here, you feel like you're good to stop, then stop and come back to it. But, oh man, the next half of this episode is crazy. The first thing I want to talk about are Q&A. So just like the end of Act 1, whenever we did the roundtable and we answered some of your questions, we're going to do the same thing with Act 2. So I've been telling you, I've been warning you for the last couple episodes to get your questions ready. I told you to have a draft ready on your email so you can send it to us. So whenever you're, whenever you're done with this episode and you have those questions ready... Send them over to us at fourorbs at gmail.com. I'm going to give you, uh, let's say, two weeks. Two weeks from now. So today will be May 2nd, even though I'm recording this on May 1st. And I want you to have these to me by May 16th. So that we can record it on Monday, May 20th. And so I can prepare for those days and make sure that I got everything ordered in order and blah, 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 blah. Um, a couple things, our Patreon account after this episode will have our leveling up, and we will also talk about 
We also did a little bit of discussion that I'm not sure if we're going to put on Patreon yet because I don't want to ruin anything for you as listeners. But one other thing we did is we played a little game and it's something that we thought was pretty clever and fun. Um, If you want to follow us on Patreon, that'll all be available to you at the $3 level. So for $3 a month, you get what we currently do for $3 a month, which is sneak peeks. And I think there's some live shows available to that level. And then also um, the this level up, and if you never listened before, the yin and doubt downtime. Speaking of our Patreon, I also want to thank all of our patrons. I'm going to go ahead and mention all of you again, because I haven't done it in quite a while. And I'm going to do it this time from top to bottom of lifetime pledges. So from top to bottom, Colby Parker, Dave Lar, Kevin McEwen, Andrew O'Dell, Samuel Moore, Jacob Williams, Caitlin Lindbergh, Joshua Story, Tykara Stokes, David Schmidthenner, Bjorn Jaeger, Evan Wiley, Keith, that I don't know the last name of, Lucas Duff of the Ballad of Seven Dice podcast, a Jonathan that I don't know the name of, the last name of, and I thank you all for being our dedicated patrons, and you make it, you make it worth it. If you haven't considered subscribing to our Patreon, consider it now. You can be on that list, and I will make sure to mention you on the next episode after you submit. Another thing I want to talk about real quick is the music leading into this mid-roll was from Battle Bards. If you are playing a tabletop game at home and with your friends, and you want to have that immersive music and ambience and sound effects experience, you should check out BattleBards.com. They have a prime package for those that can, that want to pay monthly to use their sounds and stuff for their own tabletop game. You can use four orbs as a promo code at checkout, and that should give you a little discount on the prime offer. I'm going to go ahead and say it like I say almost every episode. Ask you to follow us on all of our social media. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, etc., Instagram. And if you noticed, we have new tile art on our podcast i don't know what app you're using but if you check us out you might see our new art where there's some some silhouettes of the characters at the bottom the logo in the middle it's very greenish blue tile and that is all thanks to daniel matthews who is one the editor for the backwater bastards podcast he's a great artist he does some freelance work so if you ever need something done check him out You can find him on Instagram as Daniel underscore Matthews underscore draws. And you should also check out his podcast. It's a good, fun time. Very comedic. Also, I'm not sure when the next episode of Four Orbs will come out. I have three epilogues that I'm going to call them for the end of Act 2 that I want to kind of do week to week, hopefully, if I can make it happen. They will be shorts. They won't be full-length episodes with the cast. And after we're done with those three epilogues, We should release the round table for act two. And then soon after that, we'll be doing the prequel to act three. I won't tell you what the name is yet. And then after that prequel, we will be back with the main cast. So we're probably looking at at least four to five episodes before we get back to these players to uh, Astra, Kath, Doroth, Finch and Felomir. And so I'm going to get you back to the episode here in a second. But I want to go ahead and say that I have a promo for another podcast coming up called For Crits and Giggles. They are a New Zealand-based podcast that I've actually been listening to myself. I think I'm on episode 24, 25. I've been enjoying it, and I I have some uh, ideas that I will be using from some of their mechanical techniques from how they play the game 
that I want to do in Act 3. So you should check them out. They're on all podcast apps, and here's their promo. From the land that brought you Lord of the Rings, Flight of the Concords, and The Square Potato comes the next great New Zealand invention. For Crits and Giggles is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons real play podcast featuring the latest in podcasting technology, real life players, dice rolling action, confusion, laughs, New Zealanders. Join Poe. Anya, Mordai, and Mithras as they stumble through the custom fantasy world of Iannis, trying to save the day without injuring themselves too horrifically. For Crits and Giggles, available now from forcritsandgiggles.com or wherever the very best of podcasts are picked up. For Crits and Giggles, a D&D podcast with slightly different accents. Is it weird that my palms are sweating right now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like my heart's racing. First round of combat. You see the Mind Flayer and the Tifling that came with Velmir crouch down and open up the two wooden boxes. The Tifling pulls out the red and green orbs and places them on the ground on little wooden stands. The Mind Flayer pulls out a book and places it on the ground between the two orbs. During this time, Velmir's walking towards you. The other Typhling moves closer and takes a defensive stance after the Mind Flayer and him set up this little incantation they're setting up. The Mind Flayer then starts to mumble some words and you see an aura kind of build up around him in a 10 foot radius. The orbs begin to glow and a magical barrier forms around the Mind Flayer and the orbs. Well, shit. First up is Astra. Okay, I will cast a level three fireball. <laughs> All right. Nice. Uh, you cast fireball. Give me the damage. And that is a deck saving throw. Yeah. Go ahead and give me the damage. Wait. Do I not need a roll? Would be his dexterity save. Oh, okay. Um. Wow. Seriously? <laughs> 18. You conjure this fireball in your hands and you hurl it forward. It's going right at Velmir. He doesn't seem scared. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't move. Nothing. He just waits. And the fireball explodes. You think it's hit. You think it's engulfed him in flames. And then it clears off, and you see this cracked magical aura around him. It was completely invisible before, but now you see just like there's cracks all through it, like you've damaged this magical shield, and it's hovering about 10 feet in front of him. Of course. Hmm. Also want this to go on record that of the eight dice that she rolled, five of them were ones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and after Astra is Velmir. The four of you give me dexterity saves. Is this magic? It is. <laughs> Said a, a dex? Yeah, a dex save. Oh, I get advantage on dex save versus spells and traps. Is that when you're enraged or just all the time? Just all the time. Uh, 16. 16. What I've rolled is a 9. 23. Keth, Astra, and Finch, you all, like, step back as you see flames coming right back at you after this fireball. And Doroth, you, in fear, just stand still and just accept this. You're just so shocked that he's here. He's standing in front of me in real life. <laughs> and um, I'm going to take some fire damage. We're just going to roll it once, and we're going to do that total damage, round it down for the three of you. So 13 total fire damage. Okay. That's going to be halved to six for the three of you.
And after Velmir, it's Kat's turn. Velmir, you bastard! I'll uh, charge at him and okay. attack him. Or try to attack him. You rush forward and you're kind of expecting that magical barrier to stop you, but you pass right through it. Oh, and rage too. And then you rage and you attack Velmir with your Warhammer. 17 and 27. 17 is a miss. 27 is a hit. 13. And you rush forward and swing your Warhammer wildly enraged. And he dodges the first one, but didn't realize you were going to be bringing in that second hit. Because the last time y'all fought him, you didn't get two attacks per round. So he thought you were a little slow. You bring up the Warhammer and like an uppercut and hit him right in the gut. And he like kind of steps back for a second and then gets ready to attack you on his next turn. And after Ke is Finch. Okay. Um, I'm just going to uh, shoot some. I'm going to put Hunter uh, Hunter's Mark on Felmir. Okay. And then I would like to take out my longbow. And I'm going to make two shots, but I'm also going to use a mini shot. So I'm going to be taking four shots with disadvantage. Okay. So four shots with disadvantage. All right. This will be fun. Someone help me keep up. So I'm going to roll twice for, for four different shots. Right? Yes. Okay. 13 for the first one. 13 is a miss. 21. 21's a hit. 23. 23's a hit. Let's go. And 11. All right. 11's a miss. So two arrows hit. And he is injured, correct? He has been damaged. He has been damaged. My dogs. <laughs> <laughs> My man. 10 damage on one. 21 damage on the second one. So 31 total. All right, you take two arrows and you notch them to your bow, both of them together. And you release and one of them just kind of bounces to the side and goes nowhere. But the other one flies true and hits Velmir in his like abdomen, like right where uh, Keth had just hit his hammer. So he's getting hit in the same place twice, once bludgeoning, once piercing. Bring two more from your quiver and notch them both together and release. And again, one of them just kind of dodges to the left and the other one flies true and hits him in the like thigh. He takes a hit and he looks already pretty fucked up. Like you're really handling this. He lets out like a, like a scream of some sort, like a really weird scream. And it's gonna be on to Doris' turn. And Doris, I'm gonna make you take a wisdom save actually. A wisdom save? Yeah, uh, this is, I'm gonna take this as like a role-playing moment here. Oh, this is a lot. Uh, <laughs> this is a lot for Doris. Hmm. Velomir just showed up. Yeah. He's been tormenting you for like four or five months now. now it's, it's different when I can tell it's like a vision and he's not actually there. Sure. He's in actual real life is standing in front of me for the second time. And I remember what happened the first time. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah. All right. So let's give me a wisdom save real quick. It's going to be a seven. I'm going to let you decide what you do. It's... You didn't succeed. Yeah. You didn't succeed in this fear, but what does Dorothy do in that sense? I'm going to quickly, like, um, look down at my waistband and quickly pull out my rapier, and then as I'm facing Belmir, it just starts shaking. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and that's it. So you're not gonna take an action this turn? I uh, have attempted to act, and this is what's happened. All right, after Dorothy is the Typhling. And you see the Typhling holding his long sword that's kind of dripping this viscous liquid from its blade, but he takes his offhand and kind of faces it towards Velmir. And you see this black energy force from his palm 
kind of connects with Velmir, and now there's this ray of dark energy connecting him and Velmir. And Velmir seems to be healing. How much did he heal for, Dave? <laughs> I don't know. Mm, interesting. As you rolled the dice there that you didn't count the numbers that would face <laughs> up towards you. <laughs> this doesn't seem like you. And after that round of combat, Thelamir. Yes. This beast lunges forward and tries to attack you. He jumps over the well because you're on the opposite side of the well from him and just is basically pouncing on top of you. So does it look like humanoid kind of or like a beast? It's more like a beast, like a really, like a really nasty looking greyhound. Okay. Uh, it's very skinny and just, but it's like falling apart. And so, and then it's walking on all fours. Yeah, it's walking on all fours, and it has really sharp claws curved into the into its hands. Mm. Uh, but it is its turn first, so it lunges towards you. Okay. Um, as it's attacking me, I'm going to use my reaction. Okay. To use uh, entropic ward, which means he has disadvantage on this attack, and if he misses, I have disadvantage or I have advantage on my following attack. Okay. Eighteen. That's a hit. And you said disadvantage, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a crit miss on the second one. Uh, so the he lunges forward and digs his claws into you, um, but only one of them actually pierces you. And you take eight piercing damage. And on your turn, you feel your life kind of drain from you. And um, you take six necrotic damage. Okay. Uh, hmm. I, I'm going to cast Blink. All right. The old tried and true. Trying. <laughs> old trying. I'm going to cast Blink, and that's my action. My oh, does it not activate this turn? It does, yeah. Okay. But I, that's the only action I can make. So okay. I'm just going to cast it, and I vanish. All right. You vanish into the ethereal plane. And you said no life force, right? No life force. Um, so you vanish, and then he looks around confused, and he tries to like swipe at empty air where you're not, and it's the next turn for you. Okay, so I'm going to reappear. Okay. Uh, in the space behind him, and and I'm going to cast Shillelagh. All right, which is a bonus action, right? It is on myself, and then make an attack with my spear. All right. Uh, 19. 19's a hit. For 15 damage. All right. You take your spear and you jab it into the back of this beast, and he lets out a really painful screech. He does not like that very much. And I'm still there. And he turns around, and you're there, so he gets ready to attack you on the next turn. But we go over to our other four. Green and red energy rays shoot across the room, connecting with the glass sphere. The orbs shoot out two other rays between them, aiming at the book. It seems to be channeling energy from this glass sphere and targeting the book. Keth, Astra, and Doris are all in the rays path to the glass sphere. Keth, Astra, Doris, give me dexterity saves. It's a magic. It is. Hey. 
So I found out since I have a shield, I also get plus two decks to my spell saves. <laughs> also, I take no damage if I succeed. All right. 16. 14. Uh, 22. All right. Uh, you actually all succeed. So you all dodge five feet to the side. Uh, Velmir also dodges five feet to the side, but he gets hit. Dumbass, they're the ones that did it. What the fuck? Oh, they have friendly fire on. <laughs> so the other Typhling gets hit. Uh, and then he's thrown to the side as well. After that happens, Astra, your turn. Um, drinking a potion's a free action, correct? Yes. Can I also hand someone else a potion as a free action? Yes. I am going to take an invisibility potion, and I am also going to say, hey, Doroth, heads up, and throw him a invisibility potion as well. Doroth, give me a uh, dexterity save. That's going to be a 23. You look to the right, and you see Astra yell for you and throws an invisibility potion your way. And with your trembling right hand (laughs) that's holding the rapier, you try and hold still and you think to catch with it, but then you just take your very steady left hand and catch it right over the rapier. So thoughtlessly just... It just happens. Nice. Okay. Okay, so once he catches it, I will then take my potion so that he sees that I disappear. Okay. Assuming I disappear immediately. So Astra goes invisible? I couldn't cross the paths, could I? Uh, I mean, it's a pencil-thin ray. You could technically go under it or over it easily. Okay. It's um, like a laser, basically. Maybe difficult terrain. Yeah. So I can dash. I mean, you could dash. It would If you just go over the ray, it's going to take double movement to get over the ray. Okay. So I would like to dash to the other Typhling. Okay. And then after Astra dashes invisible to the other Typhling, who's trying to channel energy towards Velmir, we go to Velmir, who attacks you, Death. 17 is a miss because you're 20 AC, right? And then 22. Well, that is a hit. For 17 slashing damage, that'll be 9. No, round down. 8 slashing damage. He swings once and misses. You just kind of dodge out of the way or use your shield to parry it off. He kind of does like a little twirl the opposite direction and cuts it to your side. After Vilmir's cut. All right, so I want to uh, rotate around him and hold my shield out to try to block off his connection with the beam and then attack him uh, with my other hand. So you're going to hold the shield behind you to block the ray? which is going to probably open me up for something. Sure. What kind of shield is this? It's a turkadal skull. Didn't get much tougher than that. That's the strongest of them. It's like diamond. You rotate around Velmir and block the ray that's connected to him with your bone skull buckler, and it takes damage. Ooh. It takes seven damage. It's cracking, but it is your turn. Well, shit. Yeah, I'm uh, attacking. Okay. 25 and 20. Both it. Fuck him up, Kath. Please. 21. 21 bludgeoning damage. You take your war hammer and you swing it wildly while you're enraged and you just hit him like once in his shoulder, then once in the other shoulder, and he's basically rocking him back and forth. After, Kath, we're on Finch. After seeing uh, Astro go invisible and toss Dorth one as well, I'm going to remember that I have an invisibility potion as well that had speckles in it that I picked up along this journey. Okay. So I'm going to take it. You go invisible after drinking your speckled invisibility potion. Cool. 
use that uh, everything or I can do stuff? Uh, no, with a potion, that's a free action, so. Okay. And so we're saying that being invisible gives me advantage on attack? That's true. So if I were to do another mini shot, double shot, would it, it would just be nullified? Very cool, very cool. All right, I'm going to do that, only I'm going to shoot them all at the Typhling this time. Okay. First shot is a 20. 20 is a hit. Second shot is a 21. It's also a hit. Third shot is a 19. It's a hit. And the fourth shot is a 12. That's a miss. So three hit. Okay. Nine damage. 12 damage. 20 damage. So 41. 41 total. All right. So you take this volley of arrows of yours. You take two from your quiver and you release. And they fly true across and they impale him into his chest. The Then you take two more and release. One of them flies over his head while the other also hits him in the chest. And he falls back pretty hurt. He loses his concentration on the ray. He stands back up, though. But he's a hurt. He real hurt. And so, Finch, you went invisible and you did this. Mm-hmm. You then come out of invisibility after shooting the arrows. But you feel weird. You feel just fragile. I'll leave it at the word fragile. Okay. And then after Finch, we have Dor. Yes, we do. Uh, a couple of things here. Number one, do I need to make another wisdom save? I think you'll, you would be, you've come to the conclusion that you need to get involved. Okay. Because you see this happening and these big hits are hitting these two targets that are being hit, but they ain't going down. All right, a couple of things I want to do. Number one, I'm going to move forward 15 feet. Okay. And I need to cast Cloud of Daggers originating on the Mind Flayer. Okay. I think I'm within range to do that at 60 feet. Okay. That means that it should be hitting the Mind Flayer as well as his objects. So, whatever that does. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we determined last time that this was at the start of its turn. It'll take damage if it's there. And also, I'm casting it at uh, the highest level I have, which is third. And that's not the end of my turn, though. Okay. I'm going to use a bonus action Okay. to pull out my potions that I have. You know the ones. <laughs> the rainbow ones? How yes. many of those do you have left that aren't ruined? One. <laughs> and I'm about to try to use it. All right. So you pull it out. Give me that percentage die to see if it's ruined. God, don't be ruined. Actually, I have the remains of the first one. It's the last, the last two. So you have one and a half? Yes. Okay. Uh, which one are you trying to pull out? The full one. Okay. That's a two or a 20? Two. Two. That's a two. It's ruined. Well, never mind. Okay. I'm going to throw it on the ground. All right. So the cloud of daggers, though. Let's get back to that. You conjure these cloud of daggers where he is. And then, like, after you cast a spell, you remember. It was that shield that he put around himself. That shield around all the orbs and everything. And the daggers don't appear on him. They appear... 10 feet in front of him on the shield and they launch back in like a cone across the room. God damn it. And you did it at a level 3 which means it was 64. Yes. So we'll say there are 6 daggers flying across the room. Um, let's do a d20 and if it's a 1 or 5 you get hit. Or 1 one through 5 you get hit. So all 4 of you roll me a d20. 11. 15. 14. Three. Then you get hit by a dagger for 
three damage. <sighs> oh wait, I'm sorry. You take six damage because you're feeling real weak and fragile mm. right now. I don't like the amount of joy you get out of saying these things. <laughs> uh, wait, I said a D20. So oh, wait, Velmir. I killed you more. Velmir got a one, so that's going to be a hit on him. And then the Typhling got a four, so that's going to be a hit on him. All right, okay, let's go. And then after Dorth, we have the Typhling. Oh, fuck. He rushes towards you and just kind of like gives up on that ray and takes a swipe with his, log, with his long sword at you, flanking you. I'm going to use one of my Bardic Inspiration die right now. And I'm going to see that he's moved up and tries to attack Keth. And I'm going to go, uh, you look like a dirty old hag. And also you're leaving a body bag. So that's a D8 against whatever you roll. All right. So you, I mean, whichever happens first. Okay. <laughs> it's not disadvantage. Hmm? It's not disadvantage. It's, no, it's, it's a... minus your roll minus what I just rolled. Why do you need to know that, Dave? Um, he hits it. Oh, fuck. Minus one, because that's what I rolled. Oh, did you roll? Yeah. I rolled a one. Yeah, he rolled a crit. Nice. It's not crit damage, though, right? 20, 21. The 19? Like the second hit. Yeah, that's a hit. I'll, I won't do crit. Yeah. He, well, it's he, not he a crit, Dave. Crit. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All right. So slashing damage is going to be 18, so nine. This little bitch got a Icker blade. But the poison Icker blade... Does 24. Holy shit. So 9 plus 24? So 9 plus 24. 33. 33. That's so, so, so. Oh, a lot of damage. He did. He, he, he hit him once with a sword and he did 33 damage. And that was... He was immune to some of the damage. It's a lot of damage <laughs> that he did with that sword. You up? No, I'm up. Um. It's <laughs> a lot of... He hit real hard with that sword. We'll go ahead and do one more round combat before Astra, your turn. Okay, so I am right in front of the Typhling. Yes. The sidekick Typhling. You're invisible standing next to him and he does not know you're there. I would actually like to flank the Mind Flayer. So you rotate around him invisible? Yes. When you get 10 feet from the Mind Flayer, you feel you can't get through. There's an invisible force holding you back. Okay, well, then I'll just stay flanked behind the Typhling. I'm going to go ahead. How much is a lesser healing potion? 1d4 plus 1. I'm going to go ahead and drink one. Okay. Okay, after I take my potion, I am going to do inflict wounds on the Typhling then. All right. He looks really damaged, right? Yes. Yeah, he looks very damaged. He's not happy right now. I'll do level two. All right, so level two, inflict wounds. You have advantage because you're flanking him, and this is a melee spell attack. 23, 23, and 24. You hit. 18 plus 8 plus 9. Yeah. 26, 35. 35 necrotic damage. You grab hold of them coming out of invisibility, just grabbing his back. And you see him just like start to decay where you're touching him. He's just turning to ash and just goo. <laughs> and uh, he wails in pain and like falls towards you, Kev. It kind of scares you though, I think. Like give me a uh, give me a dexterity save. Yeah, if I mean if I see that Astra just popped up behind him and he's like decaying and shit, Kath is definitely gonna be like, Whoa! yeah. Give me a uh, give me a dexterity save. 
18. He falls towards you and you just kind of like take your shield and just push against him and like push him to the side. You turn quickly to Velmir. Basically what's going to happen there is if you fail your dexterity save, Velmir was still going to get advantage on you this turn. But instead, he attacks with... Oh yeah, that guy's dead. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but he attacks with his long swords against you, Chad. For a 24. Yep. And then a 21. Yep. So this is slashing damage. This is all slashing damage. He doesn't have the poison thing. Okay. It's 15 slashing damage after rounding down. After rounding down? It was 31. <laughs> With my relentless endurance, I will drop down to zero and come back up to one. Well... You do come back up to one HP, but you still fall unconscious. What the fuck, Dave? Cat! No! I can't believe this is happening. Oh god! What the fuck, Dave? Hold on. This is this is something I've been waiting for for a while. I gotta go get a piece of paper. Oh god, damn it! I'm gonna fucking scurry off. He's so excited. <laughs> fucking hobbling in here ladies with a goddamn and, notebook. I've never seen and Dave so excited in my entire life. If Dave keeps this in the episode, he looks the most excited I've ever seen him in my I, life. I have. We've known him for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I've planned this for so long. <laughs> There's like three lines on that sheet. Yeah. This, is oh, so this is such a specific situation. Like, I can't. Kath, you fall over unconscious. But you have a vision. You're back in Atherton. It's young you. You're sitting in the stands of the arena. You look around and you look to your left and you see your slave master that was actually very kind to you. And then all of a sudden it goes black. You just, you lose vision. And you come back and there's just this fire in your eyes. Literal fire. And you're watching yourself rampage through the stands, killing Many people. Many, many people. And then you just go black again, like vision goes black again. Then you wake up in the middle of the arena, naked. All of your clothes burned off. You didn't destroy a fire giant. You are the fire giant. What? What? He has now handed the sheet of paper to What Kef. the fuck? So you fall to the ground. Astra, you're standing over this decaying tiefling. And then you see Keth fall to the ground. You see him start to burn. He's becoming on fire. And Velmir looks down fucking confused. Oh my God. Keth, you stand back up and it's your turn. Holy shit. So yeah, Keth, you have currently 20 HP. And you are uncontrollable in rage. And that's your new attacks on that piece of paper. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, try to try to grab him in a fiery grip. All right. And I have advantage because I'm enraged. This is Velmir? Yeah. Okay. Crew! <laughs> yeah! Let's go! Uh, all right. Yeah, that, that's... Wait, no. Hold on. That's a spell, I guess. Sure, we'll go with spell. Uh, that's a crit, so give me a roll. D20 roll, just a flat roll. 13. Lucky number. Add an extra die and four. 
So extra die plus four. So it goes from 64 plus four to 74 plus eight. Yes. <laughs> I have been waiting for you to go down to zero and then go up to one. That's what I was saying. episode four or whatever your intro. Shit. It's such a specific thing to happen. I was just waiting to reveal that you were also a descendant. <laughs> and a fucking murderer. 23. So yeah, you take hold of Velmir and just basically bear hug him and just consume him in flames. And he tries to break free, but you just hold on to him for dear life and just kind of like belly flop onto him. Just push him over and go prone with him. And from there, we're just going to cut back over to Velmir. I think that's enough for that round. <laughs> that was a lot. That was, that was a good bit. Uh, it's the beast turn. Let's look over at your board. Figure out what's going on. Uh, there. Nothing much, you know. I just appeared behind him and uh, speared him. Jabbed him with a spear. And you're not invisible right now. No, I did not blink again. Okay. He attacks. And I'm assuming a nine does not hit. No. But I'm assuming a 21 does. Yes. The damage will be 11 piercing damage. And then you also feel that uh, that draining force around you again, which will be another two damage. Okay, and I'm also going to use a reaction. Okay. I just I feel this sort of like this flame within me. Okay. Just out of nowhere. So I'm going to cast Hellish Rebuke. All right. In response. Oh, that's high flame mm. maneuver. And you know, cast on a different plane. Or oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, y'all both got flames in you now. Flamed up. All right, so it's going to be 4d10. Yes. Dex save for half. Fuck. Nine damage. The Round de down, so four if he succeeds. Okay, he did not succeed. So nine fire damage. Yes. And then you got your piercing damage already. Yes. And then it's his turn, or your turn. Um, I will drink a potion, a greater healing potion really quick. Okay. To heal myself for 10 HP. All right. I'm going to shoot two Eldritch Blasts at him from close range. Okay, sure. Uh, the first one will be a 14. The second one will be a 20. 14's a miss, 20's a hit. For five damage. And still there. <laughs> All right. It never fucking worked. I swear to God. <laughs> it worked the first time. I want to say it was very useful against the owl bear. Yeah, it was very useful in that Yeah, one. that was an epic fight. And here you are again, fighting a beast on your own. 23 hit, mm -hmm. and I'm assuming a seven or 15 does not. It does. Oh, it does. Mm -hmm. A 15 hits. I see it's 13. Oh shit. Um. All right. Uh, you take 16 piercing damage. All right. And it's your turn. He is looking weak, but he already looked weak technically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna drink one of the uh, regular healing potions that I found. Okay. In the School of Planar Learning. So 1d4 plus 1. Or, or I'm sorry, 2d4 plus 2. Yeah. And um, attempt two more Eldritch Blasts. All right. A 14 and a 15. You're so close quarters that you can't get to, like, you can't accurately 
aim at him because he's very dodgy and quick, even though he looks so weak. And the two Eldritch Blasts just kind of fly over him and hit the walls. And I'm still there. All right. And he takes a big old slash at you again. 12. That's a miss. And the other one's 10. So both miss. We stuck with them for a while, so we can knock out some turns with you. Do I take any other damage? Oh, yeah, you do. I'm sorry. You're right. You take some life drain damage for another two. Okay. Um, all right. Frustrated at my lack of accuracy with my blasts, I'm going to make a melee attack with my spear. All right. Which has got Shillelagh on it. Yes. For a 22. That's a hit. For 13 damage. <laughs> I'm still there. Frustrated with my lack of ability. To um, disappear. You take this spear and jab it deep into him. And like you get it real deep because like his skin's already really decaying and weak on the outside, so he doesn't have a lot of tough skin. He's just really quick. And he lets out a really loud ear-piercing screech. And then you feel a pulse push out from him. And that energy you were feeling pulled from you seems to be reflecting back at you now. And you take 10 necrotic damage as uh, it's pulsed outwards. Okay. And it's your turn. I'm going to drink another potion. <laughs> <laughs> the last one that I found here. I guess I'm just going to you know, yank my spear out from his chest and sort of rear back and try to go back in. Okay. For a 30. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, 30 hits. The delivery there. Spray <laughs> of 30. For 10 damage. That does. And of course, I disappear. <laughs> <laughs> and as you just disappear, you watch from the ethereal plane as he screeches in pain from this final hit. He rears up on his hind legs and falls onto his back limb. That obsidian ash that was floating in the air in the darkness, the very beginning of Through Thick and Dim, begins to float from him. And then back to the four of you. All of a sudden, the darkness of Mithron, that darkness that has filled this entire area, this land, this nation of Mithron, disappears. Let's go. You are all blinded by the entrance of this cave as the sun beams down and rays of light fill this empty chamber you are fighting in. The Mind Flayer screeches and wails and then you see him cast something quickly with his hands and then slashes his arms across the air and you see a small portal open up that he dives into. Finch, it's your turn. Does that force field still look to be there? Or did it go away when he went away? It appears to still be there. You can see it reflecting off the sunlight. Okay. He casts it on fire and on top of... On, on top of Velmir, yes. The, there's really not much for me to do but go over there, I guess. So I'm going to run on up. All right. So you run over to the sphere where the Mind Flayer disappeared from, uh, and you try to like push through this magical barrier, and you can't do it. What's the book look like? I guess now that I'm closer. You see that this, the two energy rays from the orbs are pointing at this metal lock that's on the book. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting piece of minutia that you've you've given us. Mm -hmm. 
but there's still no way for me to get through. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of sit there pondering, trying to figure out what to do while Kef is burning Belmir. And yeah, then I guess I'll delay at that point, <laughs> or that can just be the end of my turn if you want. Whatever you want to do. Well, you can say I'm delayed. That way I just have the option to do something in okay. case I yeah, need to. Sure, you delay. And then after Finch, we're on to Doris. So it looks like um, Keth and Velmir are tussling in front of me, right? Yes. Like right in front of me. Like they're grappled up? Yeah. Keth has grown significantly as well. Like he is doubled in size because he's now a fire giant. Okay. And we can't get through the barrier that is between us and... That is accurate. Okay. So what I'm trying to piece together right now is, is it a wall or a dome? It appears to be a dome off of the reflection. Okay, cool. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take out my rapier, and now that I see he's down, and not necessarily down, but, you know, he's severely outnumbered, I'm going to walk up to him with my rapier pointed at him, and I'm going to say, You terrorize me and these friends of mine, but you'll leave in a body bag this time. That's a vicious mockery, by the way. Twelve? Fails against my 16. My superior wisdom. That's right. I think you might kill him. Oh, let's go! Let's see this damage. All right, 2D, it's 2D4 damage now. You might be able to do it. Yo! It's going to be three damage. <laughs> you didn't do two ones. Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah, do it! Oh, my God. So as... Wow. With my shaking right here, <laughs> as you stand over this burning Velmir, Keth over him, you just point your rapier at his face and he looks up to you and you see those those <laughs> haunting eyes and you tremble and say <laughs> what you say and then you see his eyes just kind of implode and his eye sockets are empty and he he lies still underneath you, Keth. I'm gonna keep just smashing his head <laughs> until there's nothing left. I'm just gonna keep staring in disbelief. Like, there's no way this is over. <laughs> Velmir dies. So, quick uh, quick point of clarification. Am I a literal fire giant, or am I just twice as big and on fire? You're twice as big and on fire, and you have those special abilities. Okay. Am I also still part turkadal in my giant... F- yes. <laughs> yes. So, I'm a giant flaming turkadal cat. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I, Thank I, you. I wanted. I just wanted to have that. So he doesn't have the madness anymore, right? Uh, he's so focused on just destroying this Velmir body. We'll say that he doesn't have the madness, and it ends in one d four turns. After you see Velmir die, the energy rays cut off from the orbs. Yes. And the shield disappears. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna cut over to Velmir real quick. As the obsidian ash floats up, beneath it, you see a pale, senile human man in the fetal position. He is naked and lies there croaking in pain. He says, An Asian? An Asian here? Oh, I never thought I'd see the day. I'm about to die. But your soul can link the two worlds of Asus and Urena together again, if you wish where you can head back. Either way, you've released me, released my tormented soul from that form, and I thank you for it. 
He lays his head back and lets out a final breath. And on the wall next to you, you see a portal open. The multicolored well sits behind you. Text me your answer. Portal or well? (laughs) Even in victory, there is sacrifice. No. No, wait a minute. You text me your answer. Portal or well? (laughs) (laughs) Even in victory... We come back to the four of you. As Velmir lies dead, you look back to the glass sphere that still lies dormant. Keth, you come out of your fiery giant flaming self and you wait and ponder for a moment to figure out what is maybe happening on the other side of that sphere. You then look back and see the orbs in the book still sitting there. All right, so is Keth still on top of... uh... Velmir. He's come out of his raging, fiery giant self, and he stands up, naked as all can be, burning everything, all the clothes that were on him. Anything that was in his hands, he dropped, and we'll say his book bag straps fell off as they burned off so you didn't destroy all your goods in your bag. Just the clothes you were wearing, and that's it. Okay, I don't notice that at first. (laughs) After I killed the Typhling, I'm just, like, awestruck, just staring at Keth, like, what is happening to you? Okay, I want my rapier pointed, like, still at him and shaking. Notice that he is dead and he's not moving. Oh, yeah, he's like, so, like, burned to a crisp. Oh, yeah, like his, but his remains are still there, yeah, right? Yeah. I want to slowly walk up to him and, like, kind of, like, poke at his head with my foot. Okay. Nothing happens. He's just. And just start like slashing at him with it. <laughs> All right. So See, you- I told you, I told you, it wasn't physical, it wasn't magical, it was art, it was art, it was art. <laughs> <laughs> so then the three of you see that happen with Dorothy. <laughs> oh man, I'll kind of look back at that, but I'm now the the wall, uh, the barriers down. I'm wholly centered on the orbs, okay. and I'm going to go bend down. So as you pick up the orbs. They don't do anything or react to you in any way. And then you look at the book and you see that this lock that is on the book is completely sealed still. And it just it appears that the energy rays that were focused on it just kind of made like a large burn mark and there's soot all over the metal lock. Okay. Um, I assume that uh, I still have the slinger pouch I was carrying my orbs in when I had them. So I'm going to tuck them back in there. Okay. And then I'm going to pick up the book and stand up. Okay. As you pick up the book, the soot on the lock smudges to the touch, and you can feel some sort of inscription underneath. You clean it off and see an insignia. What does it look like? Uh, Give me a religion check to determine if you know what this insignia is. 19. You do know. It's the symbol of Vorin, the guardian of evil. Of course. Hmm. Of course he's the big bad. Wow, so we... Yeah, you thought Velmir was the big does bad anybody, this whole time. Um, <laughs> does anybody notice Finch picking up this book? Yeah, all of you see this happening after Doroth kind of fades in the background. 
kill, like just hitting yeah, Vor I'm, or Velmir over and over again. We'll we'll say I don't notice. Yeah, we'll say Doroth doesn't notice. I'm just gonna collapse, kind of beside Doroth and the mangled corpse of Velmir. All right, so Astra, you notice. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll at least see her looking at me as I look up from the book, and I'll make eye contact with her. Like it has the symbol of Vorin on it. Well, that can't be good. I I wouldn't open that. It'll open since it has like an incision now where the light was passing through it, right? Uh, when you move this, when you remove the soot, it doesn't look like it penetrated the lock at yeah. all. Oh, okay. So I'll also say, that, and it's still locked. Okay. Well, I don't. If that has the symbol of for 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 Vorin on there, I don't know if that's something that we should have. I don't. I don't know what that means. <gasps> what? I'm not leaving it behind. Wait, what What about Vorin? What do you have there? It's the book that the Mind Flare was using. It has a symbol of Vorin on it. Oh, does it now? I will approach. All right. As Doroth starts to mention the, you know, the Vorin thing and starts to walk over to me, I'm going to kind of take a knee and lower the book down and wait for him to start talking about it. What? You really know nothing of Vorin? Only that he is the guardian of evil. Where did you go to school? In the woods. It figures. Well, let me tell you. Vorin, at first, was just a boy. A lost, scared boy. And he was found by Heltrone long before all of this. And I guess Heltrone saw something in him. Namely, evil. Unspeakable evil. But balance, right? So, yeah. That's the origin. That's it? Yeah. I mean, there may be more specifics or whatever, but, you know, off the top of my head. Well, let's go a little, dig a little deeper then. What are the specifics? Well, the boy was was lost and scared, and Heltrone honestly was scared of him, they say. And, yeah, seemed like he'd been through a lot. He's from another realm. I mean, of course he's boring. He's no longer a boy now. Some say he was locked away, imprisoned even. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Imprisoned where? Jiminy Christmas! Do I have to spell everything out for you? He's in that book! I'm gonna kind of hold it away from you. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you you shouldn't open that book. Well, we shouldn't let anyone else open it either. Well, now you have it. Now you have a guardian in your pocket. It's a good thing that Velmir didn't get a chance to open it, I guess. I guess that was his plan. I think he was trying to. Okay, but Keth, what's going on with you? What just happened? Put on some clothes! I, I don't know. I'll uh, just start rummaging through my backpack, clearly uh, clearly shaken, and find whatever extra clothes. You actually yeah, burned your have. noble clothes, and you, now you have the clothes that the farmer Samuel gave you. Yeah, oh, so I'll wow. take out uh, farmer Samuel's clothes and, and start putting them on slowly. Your straps, though, to your Turkadile shell backpack are broken, though. Yeah, and I'll say... Uh, we can't let anyone get that book. I'm in this. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll hold my backpack. <laughs> I will mend his backpack. So, I'm a little lost here still. So is he double the size, or is that only when he's enraged now it's, that he turns into a fire giant? It's only when he turns into a fire giant, not when he turns in rage. So he he's turns... got two different things he can turn into now. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. 
<laughs> but but when he's done with both, he he go he turns back to regular Keth again. Correct. So he doesn't. Okay. Right now he's regular old naked Keth. Okay. Putting on clothes now, but yes. Mostly naked. <laughs> <laughs> I want to walk up to him and just put my hand on his back. You actually feel a little bit of heat from him. I'm gonna remove my hand. <laughs> but it's not back. like hot. It's just like he has a fever hot. Still, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna just be like, well, um, I I don't know what happened back there, but I'm thankful it did. I almost had to use this, and I'll show the the bracelet that has the the sundial oh, on it. Yeah. Forgot about that. I thought you were yeah. talking about the rapier. Yeah, I was too. Uh, we need to we need to find Felomir. That's what's important now. Felomir, where where'd he go? You walk back across the room to the glass sphere, and you just kind of look at it in its dormant state, and then. You feel an energy in the area. It's silent still, but a warmth has kind of filled the room. Then out of nowhere, just to the side of the well, Felomir appears out of thin air. Felomir! Felomir! Well, there you are. You kind of rejoice and embrace each other for a moment, and you walk to the edge of this cave before kind of delving into any kind of conversation. Just taking a breather. You can see Felomir has been through quite a lot, and his face seems extremely distraught. And you look out into the horizon, and you see a thick snow still covering the land. You see the empty ruins of the city of Saravel below you. And you see the ocean to the west, and little ruins of towns all throughout the area. Where do you want to go now? Guardian of Darkness just died. You have killed Hnet. A portal on the wall has opened, and the well sits behind you. What do you do? I guess as this being dies before me, I'm just going to run up and say, Wait, what? You can't die yet? What do you mean? soul? This portal? What are you talking about? And I'm just gonna like pick him up and shake him. And after maybe a minute of doing that, realizing he's dead, I'm gonna just stand up and walk over to the well and gaze in it. And as you look into this multicolored well, you see different shades of magical energy kind of just flowing around. But it's not, it's not water or a liquid of any kind. It's 
It's a portal. And you get vertigo looking inside it. In Felomir's mind, clearly he has two choices. One, to enter this portal and accomplish his mission in restoring the arcane well and linking it back to Asus, or turning around and going back through this portal. So he's going to definitely ponder that for a while, and then he's going to think about, I guess, everything that he's been through, his whole mission, leaving Lathansis, giving up his immortality, coming here, everything he's lost, and a few things that he's gained, and then he's going to think back to meeting Remora and all the things that, that he said and how this might not be the most important thing and the biggest mission. And I'm going to think about all of my companions and how we've grown and helped each other. And I'm going to take one last look at the Arcane Well and then turn around and go back through the portal.